This program was produced by and first broadcast on Radio Kidnappers, a volunteer-based community access station. For more information, go to www.radiokidnappers.org.nz. Thanks to New Zealand On Air for making this program available through funding the Access Internet Radio Project. The information provided or any opinions expressed in this show are of a general nature only and should not be construed or relied on as a recommendation to invest in a financial product or class of financial products. You should seek financial advice specific to your circumstances from an authorised financial advisor before making any financial decisions. A disclosure statement can be obtained free of charge by calling 0800 878 You're listening to Radio Kidnappers, the voice of Hawke's Bay. This is a program called Real Wealth. And it's our pleasure, as always, to have in the studio from the Stewart Group in Hastings, Don Stewart and Trudy Vossen. How are you both? Excellent, thank you. Great, thank you, Ken. And our stars of YouTube. Say hello to everyone out there. <laughs> YouTube. They were a bit nervous because they thought I was joking when we said we were going to be filming. <laughs> now, Don, before we start talking about today's uh, subject, which is life insurance and KiwiSaver, just remind our listeners what uh, the Stewart Group is all about and how long you've been around. I started in the insurance business adv- advice side 45 years ago and established our company and that company has grown into providing investment advice, financial advice, a Kiwi two, three Kiwi Saver funds and just general financial advice and we are supported by a number of staff in our Hastings office in Caramir Road. What made you set it up? Was it just a big gap in the market that you weren't getting good service anywhere else? No, it, I couldn't say that. At age twenty four I didn't know what I know now. Yeah. And it was just perhaps just a lucky um, concept because before I went into the business, I had I had bought insurance, so I knew why you needed it, and I just got approached by someone who thought that I had potential. And, of course, you guys are specialists in your field, aren't you? That's, that's the beauty of the Stewart Group. Yes, we're not all things to all people. No. We don't do mortgage broking. We don't do fire and general insurance. We do investment advice, strategic financial planning, and life insurance. Now, today we're here to talk about, indeed, two things, life insurance, and after that we'll be talking to Don about KiwiSaver. But first, Trudy, good to have you here. Good to be here. Thank you, Ken. Life insurance. People say, ah, yeah, who needs life insurance? But um, tell us about life insurance. I mean, do people need the same levels of life cover throughout their lives? Do we need it at all? Well, generally speaking, there is a need for life insurance at different stages in people's lives. Um, often when you're younger, you have um, dependent children, mm-hmm. you have a mortgage, you have debt. Um, maybe your partner is not working because of looking after the children. So there, there's a, a vulnerability there. If something was to happen to the main income earner, what would happen to the family? So you would typically have more life cover at that stage in your life. But you would actually recommend that you take it out before you actually have those commitments. It's actually quite important to A, get uh, life insurance when you're fit and healthy, and B, all all the unexpected things that could happen. Now, I know that Don had mentioned a a story the other day to me about a young chap who... um, who had no dependents, had no debt, and was travelling to Australia. 
and um, unfortunately he had an accident mm. over there and was um, was killed and the family were able to use his life insurance to get him home. That's quite an expensive thing, flying a body back. Um, so it, there really is a need for it at many different uh, stages in your life. How much life coverage do we need? I mean, is there, is there a figure that you might suggest to a, a young man who's just finished school or university, is just entering the workforce either in his late teens or his early 20s, would you say you should have a million dollars? Is that how it works? <laughs> <laughs> no. No, it's it's an inexact calculation, Ken. Um, this case that Trudy referred to is, is linked to our extended family. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, he was in, working in the mines in Australia, so he had plenty of income, and I know that he had a large future ahead of him in life, mm. and it, it cost about $20,000 to fly people over to identify him from a crash accident, and there were two funeral directors, there was the flight home, so it was quite an expensive exercise to bring him home for family and for the funeral. And that's a bonus. And I've heard a comment years ago that said that we we came into the world without any debt and we have a responsibility to leave this world without any debt. Okay, so having said that, how do we work out when someone comes to to visit the Stewart Group? We say, look, we're thinking about getting some life insurance. At the moment, I'm a single guy. Um, what would you be recommending, Trudy? You'd be saying, well, you need uh, to look at this, this and this, therefore I recommend that you're going to need this much cover. Generally speaking, if somebody came into me and they had no debt or dependents and they were young, fit and healthy, I'd be looking, as Don said, it's an inexact science, I wouldn't be looking for a million dollars. I would probably look for a couple of hundred thousand dollars, um, which would not be particularly expensive for a young person. I mean, you're probably looking at maybe $20, $30 a month mm. premium, something quite a small amount, um, and that would be the start. And would you also look at uh, a person's income and say, okay, well, let's take out all your costs. You've got 10 bucks left over. It, it's really important, of course. It's a balancing act because you don't want to be putting so much of your um, income into something that you actually can't afford to have a life. So yes, definitely. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it has it has to be affordable. Indeed. And um, what about as we get older? Should we be putting more money into life insurance, or should we be putting less money into life insurance? What do you What do you reckon? Well, I would say that as as we as we age and we perhaps we don't have as many uh, our children aren't as dependent on us as they once were, although we know they always need something. Um, then I would say if somebody's sort of approaching sixty five, they've perhaps no got mortgage or debt left, then you could look at um, reducing it right down. Perhaps you might want to leave enough for a funeral, that kind of amount, which maybe about 10000 or so, depending on what kind of funeral you wanted. You could look at having enough. There's usually some costs, legal costs with um, lawyers. So you could look at just having a small amount, ten, twenty thousand. 20000 But then you would also look at how much money that person might have in the bank. Sure. And you'd agree with that, Don? You should look at reducing it to a minimum amount of money by the time we get older? Yes. Uh, yes, uh, unless you have specific requests Mm. that you have tabled and documented in your will Mm. you might have say a disabled um, grandson granddaughter who may need special care Uh, if you were not there 
and, and you might want it funded through either part of your savings or if you've depleted your savings and you've got very cheap life insurance in place that you've had there for 40 years, you might just leave it there and mm. put a note in your will that when I pass on, there's $50,000 in insurance and this is what I'd like to see happen to that money. Mm. I quite like the idea of... Um leaving my kids with a bit of a nest egg. Mm. So Trudy, do you think I should maybe start looking at uh, maybe increasing my life insurance so that when I finally crack off, which is hopefully, you know, I've got another 25 years, hopefully, <laughs> that, that they're better catered for or not? Well, I sub- what sort of age are you thinking about for somebody uh, wanting to do that? Because obviously you'd need to look at how um, insurable somebody is as they age. Sometimes some people have more health issues. That's um, a really good point that, that you raise. That, that they, they may or may not be able to get the same sort of insurance as they could have when they were in their 20s and 30s and possibly 40s. So you'd, you'd look at that first. Are they going to get insurance? Um, and then, yes, you could. But uh, generally speaking, as we age, insurance does get more expensive. Not that I want to bring the opposition in here, but often you see those ads on television where it says that you can have life insurance from $9.95 a week. Let's say that as an example for the price. Um, no medical ins- uh, check required and guaranteed. Is that how it works? I mean, um, There are cases out there. I think you might have to live for three years yes, before, that's right. yes. before yeah. they'll pay the claim. Mm. But what you're talking about is very low sums assured, and that's mm. usually for funeral planning. Is that mm. right? Mm. <clears throat> so is it possible for me, though, to increase, say, get to the age of 60? I think, okay, I want to crank it up now to half a million, whereas I might have only had $40,000. Is it possible for me to do that, or was it just going to be too expensive? It would be too expensive. It would be quite expensive, yeah. <clears throat> so as um, you get older, you're being discriminated against. Only by age. <laughs> only by your age. Yes. <laughs> um, and if you, genuinely, if you'd already only had $40,000, mm. we would question why you would suddenly want five hundred. Yeah, yes, that's right. Yes. Um, okay, so if I've got mm. my own house and I'm getting near the age of 65, are you saying that maybe when I get to 65, possibly retire, that I don't need life insurance at all because I've got my asset, I've got my house, freehold, sell that, that's going to take care of my funeral? Is that how I should be looking at it maybe? Well, you, yes, that's a good point. I mean, you may have a partner that wants to live in the house mm-hmm. um, after you pass away, so that might not be something that's possible. So it's good to check with your partner that you're both on the same page about what's going to happen um, in the event of either of you dying. Um, and then you can can make that call because, again, it is the balance between uh, having cover and the cost of premiums. Is it ever too late to get life insurance? Oh, only the only time it's too late is when your health has deteriorated to the extent that you are completely uninsurable. Yeah. Mm. Okay. But the answer to your question is, it becomes obvious when you ask someone, what is what are your objectives? If something happened to you tomorrow, what would you what position would you want to leave your spouse in mm-hmm. financially? Mm. The next question is really interesting, and I thought, well, surely there can only be one answer. It says, can you claim life insurance for anything other than your death? I thought that would be a no-brainer, that you have to die first, don't you? Well, there is also something in most insurance policies which is called a terminal illness benefit, and this is if you've been deemed by a medical professional um, unlikely to live 
more than 12 months. So you actually can get that payment early and that enables you perhaps to put your affairs in order. Um, it enables you perhaps to spend time doing things with your family because you've actually got the financial um, help to do it. Um, so that is another thing that is included. Is that included in all insurance, life insurance policies? It's. I would say it's yes. all the ones we deal with, yes. Yes. So regardless of where I go, I mean, obviously I come and see the steward, mm. but if I went to Joe Blow, that would be the same? Yes, mm. it's in all documents. And they're um, improving the wording in life insurance documents now. And mm. we saw one the other day where to be terminally ill, you normally have to get a doctor's certificate to say that you are unlikely to live beyond 12 months. But now they've less uh, freed that up to say if the prognosis is not good mm. but the doctor can't say 12 months, then they'll pay a percentage of the cover up mm. front. Mm. I guess most people would think of insurance companies as people who might want to weasel out of paying out a claim. Is this the same with life insurance that if, you know, if I get to 65 and I didn't uh, disclose something to the uh, insurance company when I took out the claim... <clears throat> Would that affect my claim with life insurance? Definitely non-disclosure would be an issue. But mm-hmm. if there'd been no issue of non-disclosure, then my experience has been that they're really happy to pay out claims. They're, they're very fair um, in what they do. And another thing that they will also offer is many insurers will give you some of it if the claim is uh, put in a 15 sort of thousand uh, bereavement. Mm-hmm. So you get that before, because sometimes it can take a little while to get death certificates, etc., through to pay out these life claims. And a family's got a, a funeral to fund, um, so they can get that amount early on. Um, they also often offer um, at no cost um, a percentage on children as well. So your dependents would also have some sort of cover as part of the parents. And they also do a financial sort of planning benefit because if somebody like yeah, had that million dollars mm. um, and they might need some help and what to do with it. Last question for you, Trudy. What issues in life account for 50% of life insurance claims? Well, with the 50 to 59-year-olds, and this is an area that I'm particularly interested <laughs> in myself, um, it's cancer. Yes. So that, that accounts for um, over 50% of claims, and then we've got neurological and heart-related. So it's, it's a pretty pretty obvious what's the biggest cause um, at the moment for claims. Do you find that uh, insurance or life insurance in general is often thought about by people? I mean, do most people actually think about it? You know, we get a job, we start, we're young, we're bulletproof. That's probably the last thing we think about, isn't it? I mean, when should we really start thinking about it? We know in an ideal world we think about it as soon as we've got a job and got some money coming in. But when do you find that people are actually coming to you and saying, better sort out some life insurance? Definitely when they have children. Mm-hmm. I think that's when you start to really think. I mean, there's obviously business insurance as well, but personally people start to think. You, you, you worry about more than just yourself when you have children. And when you have other obligations, like to the bank? Yes. Mm. Do you find many people actually that you talk to haven't got it? Are you surprised at the amount of people that might or might not have it? Yes, yeah, I am surprised actually that people who haven't thought about it or who have thought about it but have actually haven't got a good plan in place that's appropriate for them. Mm, it's fascinating. Now, KiwiSaver. Everyone knows what KiwiSaver is, don't they? Don't, if they don't, tell us what it is. It's probably the the most successful superannuation scheme that any government has ever introduced in New Zealand, ever. And it has just taken off. It's a good name. 
and um, it's supported by the employer. So if you indicate that you want to contribute, say, 3% of your income, which is the minimum amount now, the government in the past gave you $1,000 to encourage you to go into a scheme, and the employer would match your contributions. So the return on KiwiSaver is 100% of your contributions every each and every year, and then they give you a member tax credit every year of $520 if you've put aside 1040 per year. We live in a paradise, don't we? It's, <laughs> it is remarkable how it's working. Is, um, there a, is there a limit on how much we can put aside? I mean, you said that the minimum we can put <clears> in is 3%, but could we put in 20%? Yes, but you won't get the employer to match it no. w- with, with any more than 3% at the present time. Now, there's KiwiSaver and there's KiwiSaver there, isn't there? There's different sort of levels of KiwiSaver. You've got conservative accounts. And yeah, that's the asset allocations mm. or, or the, the portfolios you can choose from. And there's a huge number of New Zealanders who are in, sitting in the default schemes or the very conservative schemes. And what's wrong with that? Well, they have 85% invested in bonds, and bonds are now yielding the lowest returns they've been yielding for 40 years and they only have 25, 20% in equities or 25% so um, if we're in a scheme which has got a greater return I guess you might recommend <clears> that to, to someone who's a bit younger but just say someone who's a bit older has been in one of those schemes would you recommend changing to a conservative scheme as you get a bit older just so that you've got a bit oh you mean um, yes I, I'm suggesting that a lot of people who are young are in conservative yes. schemes now. And they shouldn't be. And they need to be in either balanced funds or mm. growth funds because they've got a 40-year time frame for mm. investment. So when will we switch over to one of those other schemes? Um, whenever someone enlightens you as to what scheme you're in. <laughs> yes. Because a lot of people don't know which fund they're in mm. and they wouldn't know what their asset allocations are and they wouldn't know what the future projections of that fund are. And I guess the bottom line, though, is that when you get a job, your future employer or your employer would say, well, look, we're going to sign you up for KiwiSaver, sign here. And often that's the case, isn't it? Yes, and they go to a default scheme. Yeah. And the employers will not give you any advice as to what asset allocation you should be in. Mm -hmm. And that's probably correct because they're not financial advisors who are authorised to do that. Mm -hmm. They want to encourage you to go into into KiwiSaver and they're going to support you financially and they'd like you to make your own choices about which fund you go into and what the asset allocation is. But most don't do that. That's when we need to come and see you, Don. Well, just someone who is actively involved Mm -hmm. and understands KiwiSaver. Okay, how do we work out just how much KiwiSaver we need at our retirement? I mean, when is enough enough or not enough? Yeah, it's a really interesting question because we're all in, whether we like it or not, the New Zealand superannuation scheme, which is provided by the state and always has been. So if you, I've got some numbers here. If you were single and living alone, you were entitled to qualify for that at age 65, and that's worth an after-tax $20,000 a year mm-hmm. paid fortnightly. Or if you're a couple, uh, both living together, um, you would be getting $31,000 a year by default. Mm. Mm. So the question you need to ask yourself is, what level of income would I want at retirement? And if I've been used to fifty or $60,000 a year and can't live with less than that, 
then I need to put aside a little bit of money each and every week mm-hmm. into the likes of KiwiSaver so that I've got another capital sum that I can draw on when I qualify for New Zealand Super. And is that easy to do? Very, very easy to do, yes. The uh, the contributions with KiwiSaver are deducted from your salary, your wages at source. Mm-hmm. You don't have to fill in a direct debit authority. The employer pays for it each week, each month, as you do, and the government give you a top-up every year of 500 dollars if you've saved enough during the year. Okay, we get to that magical age of 65, which is when I guess a lot of people might like to think they're going to retire, not me, though. <laughs> Good on you. I'll be here till I'm 80 if I can. <laughs> <laughs> so we get to 65, can we just go to KiwiSaver? So we want to take the whole lot up. Thank you very much. I want to go on a big holiday. Some can, um, but most don't, because they know that this is their major saving other than the New Zealand superannuation entitlement. And so they they work out what their budget is at the point that they've retired and they know what's coming in from super and they might be doing some part-time work. Mm-hmm. So they know what that is. They know what their costs are. And then they say, well, I've got a shortfall of $500 a week or $1,000 a week in what I need. And they just take 1000 or $1,200 a week out of KiwiSaver. Mm-hmm. Sorry, not per week, per month. Per month, yeah. Yeah. Good scheme. It's a good way to do it, isn't it? Well, it means they understand. For instance, we, we've done some homework the other day, and if someone had two hundred thousand in their KiwiSaver account, and that's not extravagant in this day and age if they've been saving, if they had two hundred thousand in there, and they wanted to top up their income by ten thousand dollars a year, this is tax paid mm-hmm. income, ten thousand a year. They the two hundred thousand would support a withdrawal of $10,000 a year until they were 91. And that's just what you need because I was talking to Nick from the Stewart Group and he was saying it's incredible how many people are living till they are 90 now. Yeah. So you're probably going to need at least that sort of money, aren't you? Well, here's another here's another calculation. If they're at 65 and they thought, say their health wasn't brilliant and they just wanted to focus on the next 15 years and take themselves through to 80 they could take $15,000 a year out of the 200000 that's accumulated mm. and that would keep them going with an extra $15,000 a year until they were 80. Sounds great. Look, I hope so, mine's worth 200000 <laughs> Well, the, the key is to be in the right portfolio, not conservative. It should be either in balanced or growth mm. and then you just wind back the asset allocation, become more conservative when you're getting closer to retirement. Would there be a stage, though, that you would recommend that someone becomes part of that conservative scheme or would you say, look, get to the middle one? Well, at 65, um, if, if it was all placed in conservative at 65 or put in the bank, with a low earning TD mm. in today's market, I'd say, so how long, what is your life expectancy? Yeah, exactly. And fine. if you said to me 95, and I said, so this has got to last you 30 years, why would you be in a low earning conservative fund for 30 years? Dead right, I'm going to have a look when I get home tonight. <laughs> so <laughs> it's really about engaging with the customers and seeing how knowledgeable they are on finances, on returns, and what their real needs are. And then you provide a bespoke, a, a personalised opinion. I think you sort of hit the nail on the head a little bit earlier, though. It's all about the advice that you get when you first sign up, because, again, it's a bit like insurance. Once we've signed up, we forget about it, don't we? We do. 
And that's Correct. the trouble. We've only got about three minutes to go, Don. And uh, just maybe mm. recap, what are some of the key reasons that people should be thinking about when it comes time to start drawing down on those savings? Well, it, it, it depends on how successful they've been in life mm-hmm. in terms of repaying their debt. Because you would hope that at retirement they have no residual home loan debt and that they have saved money somewhere, be it in KiwiSaver or somewhere. And each each person's case is different. Yep, absolutely. Some some are living on New Zealand Super alone, mm. out of choice, and some need twice that. Some need three times that. So it's about being aware of what your needs are in the future, considering what your benefits are today from your current after-tax salary. That's it, we're done. Um, before we let you leave, though, just remind our listeners, Trudy, we want to come and see you about some advice uh, on life insurance. We want to come and see Don and talk to him about KiwiSaver. Where do we find the Stewart Group? Uh, we're based at 204 Karamu Road in Hastings. Our number is 06 878 Just give us a call and we'll come in and see us. As always, my pleasure to talk to you. You look after yourselves and we'll talk to the same time, same place next time. Thank you, Kiwi. Thank you. The information provided or any opinions expressed in this show are of a general nature only and should not be construed or relied on as a recommendation to invest in a financial product or class of financial products. You should seek financial advice specific to your circumstances from an authorised financial advisor before making any financial decisions. A disclosure statement can be obtained free of charge by calling 0800 878 961. This program was produced by and first broadcast on Radio Kidnappers, a volunteer-based community access station. For more information, go to www.radiokidnappers.org.nz. Thanks to New Zealand On Air for making this program available through funding the Access Internet Radio Project.